Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning into the Wild Card Podcast today. I'm one of your co-hosts, Greg Arcizo, and today I have on a special guest my younger brother, Luke Arcizo, and he's going to go on and tell us a little bit about his piano journey. He's been playing piano for quite some time now, which uh, he'll get into later, and he's about to finish his master's, and he's going on to get his PhD in piano performance, and we're just really going to talk about his insights. Uh, I'm pretty excited about it because, one, I've seen him Growing up, we've been, we're only a couple years apart and I've seen his journey, but I've never actually sat down and talked to him about it, like some struggles he might've faced or just fears and things that inspire him. So I'm excited, just like you guys, to get to see an inside look of what his um, piano journey looks like. We're going to go ahead and just hop right into it. So on the show, we have Luke Arcizo. Hey, Luke. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. Thanks for, thanks for taking some time to talk to us. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, so you just want to get right talk- into it. Yeah, let's go ahead and hop right into it. Tell us, um, when did you start playing? So, yeah, um, I started piano lessons at five and been playing pretty steadily since. There was a, a really brief period of time where kind of early teenage years where I wanted to quit. And uh, my mom, and, you know, mom did. She allowed it because I wanted to play sports and do other things and explore other avenues. And um, but then over time, she just really wanted me to get back into it. And so she pushed me to resume my lessons, and I did. And then from that point on, yeah, through my late middle school and then all of high school, it was just piano lessons after piano lessons. And um, no, it was extremely helpful for me developing. It was, um, you know, most people begin piano lessons at a young age, and then I was just lucky enough to carry them all the way through to now so currently it's uh, been a crazy ride I've learned a lot it's helped me develop just how I communicate with anyone really it's been a it's part of me so yeah that's been my whole education as to it it was really interesting too when you talk about it because it's something jumping from private studies into college which is what you know I did my bachelor's at Texas A&M Commerce and then did my yeah. master's before we get to your your bachelor's degree in high school when did you decide like hey this might be something i want to pursue as you know collegiate? yeah well i i had a lot of teachers and this is a bit unusual for uh, i've talked to other friends and whatnot and just you know colleagues that are going through the same thing and all their musical development a lot of them stuck with the same teacher and I did the math and I think I had six or seven teachers growing up all the way through high school. And that's quite unusual. And so I guess where it got quite real for me was, and this is just, a lot of teachers are aware of their capabilities in teaching. You know, if they're used to teaching younger students and then all of a sudden they kind of reach a peak and they feel like they can't help that student much longer, they'll refer them to someone else. Okay. And um, you know, like that is not the case for every student because not every student you know, moves forward in the same way. Not every student advances in the same way. I and, because I started piano lessons at the same time. Exactly. <laughs> perfect example. We started at the same time, really. And it just wasn't your thing. But you yeah. tried. So good job. You know, <laughs> I guess for me, it was around. I started getting more serious in ninth and 10th grade as I had a teacher and she was quite educated, quite good. And then in my junior year, she pushed me to go to study at San Jack with uh, the professor there, um, who became my, I guess, my overall mentor leading into 
pushing me towards college because at that point I was at a level where I was studying at a, you know, at a junior college level, freshman, senior, you know, level. And um, that's when she kept pushing me to start looking into universities and to decide, cause I didn't even know what I wanted to do at the time. That's the other thing. There weren't really many conflicting disciplines. It was just, I need to actually double down and figure out which one do I want to do. And so as I started meeting other professors and she had the connections because I played for I played for people that were coming to visit the school that's when it became quite real for me which is actually where I mean leading into my undergrad that's where I met my professor for undergrad because I met him at San Jack because of the teacher that I had it's a very connected discipline where they all basically know each other when you ever become a professional musician it's you pretty much know everyone you need to know and if you have a student like Dr. Braswell did for me she was pushing me towards that path. That's where it was going for me. Okay. So your teacher that for your undergrad, who I guess he was Dr. Sanchez, right? Yeah, Dr. Sanchez. He was, he was friends with your teacher that was in at San Jack. Uh, definitely colleagues. You know, they were they knew each other, and even if they're not friends, they all go to the same conferences. They all they're all aware of each other, especially when you're in the same state and not so far, because that's what they do. They're so good at it. Where the professors, they're just as much, I would say almost more so than most other, it's almost like how football coaches, when they're scouting out for someone, mm. they'll go to see that person. Whereas if you look at other disciplines, it's not really the case. But yeah, music, music is like that because they will travel to a certain school to give performances. And then what they'll do is they'll give a masterclass. So they, they usually give a master class and then that, that night they'll do a performance. And in the master class, they have the opportunity to work with the students present at that institution. And then if they connect with one, that's when they can continue the outreach and they can say, okay, how about you come visit me at my school? Or how about you come in for a private lesson? And um, that's basically what happened for me at that time when I met Dr. Sanchez, was he came, did a recital, did the master class I played for him. And then it just went forward from there. Okay. So, yeah. so now you've met Dr. Sanchez. What what was the tipping point? Did you go to other schools to check him out or what like what made you settle on the school you went to? Yeah, I applied to four schools all in Texas and I got into three of them and Commerce was one of them. The other one was Sam Houston and the other was North Texas. And um I actually at the time was so dead set on going to UNT up in Denton. That was my dream school. And that's actually one of, you know, it, it is. It's an extremely formidable school, very good institution. I think at the time, it was either one or two of the largest music departments in the country. It was a massive school. And so I did the audition there, and it went pretty well. And I actually remember we were discussing with my parents, and they asked the idea because I, I knew it was quite well, and I think I knew that I was on the track to be accepted to it. Okay. And um, the final school was Commerce, which I had the audition scheduled for like a week or two later. And I remember my parents, we were discussing, well, this is your dream school, UNT. Do you just want to not even audition to TMUC? And do you want to just kind of commit to this? Yeah. And I said, ah, I already gotten to know Dr. Sanchez. And um, it's really interesting because you don't think of it at the time, but the personal relationships really do matter, especially in this field, especially because of and I didn't even really know it at the time because it is quite tough. And we can talk about that later. It's a really intense and really stressful 
uh, degree path. But um, I said, no, I already made the personal relationship with Dr. Sanchez. I at least owe him to go do the audition, even if I don't go. I at least owe him that much. And you had attended like a master class. Is that where you? Yeah. Had- and then I had, I, like in the same way that I was talking about earlier, I did the master class earlier. And this is what, you know, this is months time span because I met him in like 2013, probably like mm-hmm. mid 2013. And I didn't start college until the fall of 2014. So we're talking about a year, you know, yeah. it's, a, it's a great amount of time because it takes a lot of planning to prepare for the auditions and everything. It's a lot of, a lot of steps into that. And so on the other side, which really cool about TMUC is that they have a program called the Honors College. And it's one of the very few institutions that if you get into the Honors College, it's a full ride. Okay. For me to apply to the Honors College, because it's not a music affiliated program. It's its own department within the university. And uh, it shows you how much these professors will go for the students that, you know, they took time and the effort to do it. And so during that process, I actually ended up getting in as well. And so that was also a huge factor of me deciding to go to TNUC. But anyway, so um, I tell my parents, no, I'd like to go, even though the UNT audition went well, I think I owe it to Dr. Sanchez, let me go. He's done enough for me so far. And uh, I remember the thing that really sealed it for me was when I got there, at all the other schools, it was so business, you know, you have your specific time to practice. And other than that, you're just sitting around the lobby. You're, you're surrounded by every other student who's doing fighting for the same spot you're about to receive, you know, or you're all fighting for the same thing. Okay. And um, so it's really, you don't see the professors until you're actually playing for them. And what I remember about commerce was that uh, my teacher, potential teacher at the time, Dr. Sanchez actually came and found me while I was practicing. He took time out of, while he was watching people audition and he came and spoke to me and just was like, oh, you know, encouraging. And it was that kind of personal touch. That was what for me was so, uh, I was was just so thankful for that because it was something that, especially when you're at 17, 18 years old, you're stressed, you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. (laughs) It's a new experience and you're committing to four years. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a really big, it's so monumental at the time. And that just, that greeting, that just kind of, you know, human, humanistic just kindness was really, really welcome to me. Um, and the other thing that for me was I found out that I got accepted on the spot. And where the other schools I didn't. It was okay. weeks, weeks of just waiting, <laughs> waiting for the email. Like most, most students get that. You know, yeah. you're always looking for the acceptance or you didn't rejection, but I don't know. There's if something about you knew if all else failed, you knew you were at least going there. Yeah, for sure. that's and so for me, as soon as I had that experience, it was it was like this is too good. I I can't pass this up. Okay. Yeah. So then I got the full ride and I got the friendship out of you know I got the mentor that I really needed. So that was, you know. Yeah, that was the deciding factor for me. Okay, so now you've decided you're at A&M. Talk about a little bit about opportunities that opened up as a result, just through hard work, connections, all that kind of, you know. Yeah, no, oh, what I'll, I'll just lead in with this is that 
I think most people that aren't in this discipline don't understand it at all. In the sense that, <laughs> I know a lot of it's jokes and whatnot, but I, I remember getting teased, oh, you're just playing piano, you know, it can't be that hard. Let by me, me by me too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're a perfect example of that too. But like, let me tell you, uh, it is so stressful and it is so tedious. And some of the most, I can tell you personally, I struggle with laziness. That's my Achilles heel is that I don't want to practice. I don't do these things. But some of the most committed people I've ever met and ever ha you know, had the pleasure of working with have been musicians. They are just so on top of it. And it's just perfectionist to the utmost because you have to be at the extent. And that's why you see people, their personality comes out when you see them perform too. That's why you see different people I mean, you can think of that when you watch just any entertainer nowadays. You compare like Beyonce to George Strait. You know, they perform differently. And that's an that's a expression of who they are, but they're still effective. Everyone has their own way. And so, yeah, for me, that's why I say in the beginning, it's so, uh, it's a crucial aspect of who I am, I feel. Like it's an important part of me, music is because how I practice, and how I approach issues in my music is how I approach issues in my life. You know, it's how you deal with these things and how you process them. Because it's the same logic. There's an obstacle, how do I overcome this obstacle? And that for me was a huge lesson that I had to learn was how do I practice? And every now and then I still get stumped and I still don't want to do something and it applies. So, um, but for me, yeah, that was a huge obstacle was how do I figure out how to practice and how do I figure out how to be successful in this field when there are so many people that are arguably like just more naturally, you know, committed to the work ethic than I am, more disciplined than I am. So you have to find your niche, you know, you have to find what am I good at? What am I not good at? What do I have to work on? What do I, what do I have to just kind of, you know, even back off on? If, am I too excessive in this area? Am I working too hard in this area that I'm pretty good at already and I'm neglecting something that's more important to my overall development as a musician? Yeah. Um, so those are the things that really were difficult. But as I said earlier as well, is that music is so connected. And so what I really found beneficial to me growing up, you know, that 18, 19, 20, and 21 was, um, attending conferences and meeting people that have actually achieved being professors or being performers or not even those things, being businessmen. I mean, there's people that would go to these conferences to sell certain, um, you know, certain tools or certain games that they feel would be beneficial to students. So they're putting a business spin on these things. How can I market an item that a professor or a teacher will want to have for the students? So it's a whole world out there and they're all connected. They're, if they're not friends, you know, they at least, respect each other for the most part and um yeah you just have to really seize the opportunities that come that come your way or that don't come your way and how do you fight for those opportunities how do you competitions are a perfect example of that you know how willing are you to face against your friends and people you respect to win the same award that's only for one person you know mm -hmm. it's an extremely competitive world and then it goes beyond your institution it goes to the state of Texas and it goes to national and then there's even interna international competitions. And yeah, it's really, it's really a doggy dog world in a lot of ways. It's funny how supportive they are, but also how cruel, how cruel it can be because 
there does come a point where you can put a year's worth of music, you know, preparation into one performance, and then you're in a competition with someone else and they get a better mark. You know, and it, you can read the you can read the comments that the the judges give you, and it just don't satisfy you. But it's the way it is. <laughs> yeah, really a fact. You're talking about competitions. What are some of the ones you participated in? Were they local? Were they, you know, were they yeah. school or were they amongst? It's funny. Growing up, I I would say, at least in the formal idea of what music is, you know, being a part of societies, being part of music circles and whatnot. Our, my, our family wasn't into that. For me, it was like, oh, I played piano and I did recitals in my little studio with my teachers and all. And that was, that was the extent of what I did as a kid. And so going to college was actually a rude awakening because I realized I didn't really know anything about classical music. I didn't know any of the great performers. It'd be like going into baseball and not knowing who Babe Ruth was, you know? It's, music is that, and it's older. It's, I mean, as much as any of the sports and any, I mean, even talk about business, talk about Warren Buffett and all these great people. I mean, music has, this tradition that I'm in currently has been going on since the 17th century and before, at least for my knowledge, it's been going on for hundreds of years. For some people that are practicing on instruments that are not even, you know, that are more outdated or not outdated, but just older, uh, predecessors to the piano that I play, they're playing music that's even older. So I'm in this tradition that's hundreds of years old. And so it's really crucial and really important to know these people that have been trailblazers. That really, I mean, a lot of performers uh, were black now. You can trace that to very few individuals a long time ago. And so there's all these things that people just kind of gloss over. But then when you're in the mix of it, when you go to college and all of a sudden you're expected to know these things that I didn't know about because I wasn't aware that I had to know about it. Um, it was really difficult. So competitions is one of those things. I never really did competitions as a kid. And then all of a sudden I go to school and there's people that had been doing competitions since they were seven and eight, you know, and that have won them. And then not only that, like I said, we're talking about the entire state of Texas, because whenever you do a competition, usually at the university level, it kind of will push you into the statewide level and then, or county and then state. And then you can just, you can work your way up. I, I can think of, there's two examples for me that in college were very important. One was, a, one was a huge disappointment because I thought I worked really hard and I actually thought I earned a place. I thought I did extremely well, played for 30 minutes, you know? And um, it was just, I thought I had it. And then they were going down the list of recipients of awards and I didn't, I didn't win. And it was, a, it was a statewide, it was from all over the state of Texas. And uh, that was a huge, cause I even got a message from my teacher, both uh, several of my teachers there. And they said, man, I think you could, I think you did it. And so then I got excited and then I did it. I did not get it. And that was so demoralizing because I was like, man, I worked so hard for this. Yeah. And in my mind, I thought I earned it. Um, but that's what happened. And, you know, and my teacher, he, he gave me really good advice and this leads into uh, what happens next, the other lesson is because at the time, uh, this was my senior year, and I already had done an extremely cool thing, which I'm about to talk about. And he said, you know, sometimes we do really well, and sometimes it just doesn't work out. And, but you have to look at the positives in life. You know, you have to see the things that you've come and done so far. And so that, what he reminded me of was in the, the year prior, I did a competition 
almost offhanded, he had recommended that I apply. I was at the, the oldest that you could be to do this. And it was a competition, a national competition. You submit a video, and if you get selected, you get put in a category, and the winning recital was held at Carnegie Hall. And so- What is Carnegie Hall for anyone that doesn't know? So Carnegie Hall is the mecca of classical music in the United States. And our, I mean, around the world, it's one of the top concert halls. It is the place, at least in the United States, where the greatest performers come and play. It is everything that a classical, any, any musician really, because I mean, it started as classical music, musician, uh, for classical musicians, but over the time, I mean, all the greats have played there. And um, yeah, it is something that every musician dreams of. And so that's why for me, <laughs> when I found out about this competition, I was very careful with my expectations of it in the sense I was like, okay, that's an amazing opportunity, but let me just, let me stay cool about this and let me just do it. And uh, I remember when I received the news and uh, it said the results are listed on the website. So I didn't even get the letter saying, oh, you got it or you didn't got it. You mm -hmm. know, you didn't make it. It was like, here's the list of results. Go look it up on your own and see if you're on the list. So scan for your name. You know, it wasn't like you made it. That's, yeah. I mean, that's the beauty of acceptance letters. You don't have to read much farther than we're sorry to inform you or we're pleased to inform you, you right. know? But in this one, it's like, no, just do the work yourself and figure it out. And uh, so I am, I'm, I'm a mess because I, I know that this is going to be such a defining moment for me, one way or another. Yeah. And I have to scroll through the list. And sure enough, I found my name on the list. Wow. So, um, yeah, it was, it still is, it, you know, it reminds me of, how achievable that really was because actually when I look back on it I worked really hard you know I did but it's I had put this thing that I had to have this extremely long career you know and to have maybe maybe get lucky enough to do it yeah but then what I, what I found was if you just find you know a little competition such as that you do your research you have the people guiding you you can accomplish these monumental tasks and so for me, yeah, I was a gold winner in this competition and I got to do a recital in Carnegie Hall, which blows my mind to this day. Actually, it was, you know, just, it was April 30th of 2017. So it was just recently was the, the yearly reminder of it. It's funny that I had this extreme success in 2017 and then the following year in 2018, my final senior year, I have this competition where I thought I nailed it and I didn't receive the result I wanted. And yeah. so that's what my teacher, he says, sometimes you have Carnegie Halls and sometimes you have this. <laughs> it's the way life is. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, it's funny how, yeah, Carnegie Hall wouldn't, Carnegie Hall wouldn't mean anything if um, I didn't have the failures to weigh it off of, you know? So that's what's really fascinating about competitions and grades. It's, it's really interesting. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I remember that trip. I remember going up to yeah, New you know. Of course, mom, mom was thrilled, but <laughs> dad was too. But yeah. everybody, there was a lot of people that joined for that. All right, so <laughs> yeah. what did you, um, I can't remember like timeline-wise, but did you go to any other festivals or anything during undergrad or was it your? I did. 
basically every year. Okay, I thought so. I, I went to a festival called Inner Harmony Music Festival. And so I went to uh, both Germany and Italy a couple times. And then I went to another festival in Portugal. Okay. Uh, in Coimbra, Portugal. And so, yeah, that was also extremely important on my development was traveling. You know, finally getting to go. To, I always wanted to travel too, and I never really got to. I finally did travel for the first time for school and, and you know, my senior year of high school. Right. And, and I, I was just blessed enough that same year because I went spring break of 2014 for high school. And then when I started going, when I committed to commerce, my teacher let me know that he was going to a festival also <laughs> in the summer of 2014 in Germany. And I went, that was my first time traveling alone also at 17 years old, 18 years old. So, um, yeah, it was extremely important traveling. That's what, I mean, led me to really wanting to live in the UK like I did for my master's. Was, I, I found it fascinating to see people from, you know, the other side of the ocean. Yeah. So far, so far away for us. And uh, all of a sudden you're there and it's like, wow, this is a real place. Yeah. What, what was some of the big takeaways about like going for the summer in Germany or whatever that helped not only like shape your your understanding or your techniques do you have anything well those festivals were extremely important because on top of meeting people from all over the world i met professionals from all over the world and um it's funny seeing the different approaches they have and the different attitudes they have you know there are i mean i don't want to talk about stereotypes or anything but there are definitely traits of certain countries that aren't that I wasn't used to. Yeah. I had a pretty, pretty nurturing uh, experience with my teachers. They were always quite kind to me. I never really got, they never really got stern. We, some of them did, but not to the extent. And then I remember I had some teachers at these festivals that tore me apart. <laughs> and, and it was, that was a whole new approach to me. Yeah. And actually, I guess in the long run, it was effective, but my per it's funny how you know you have teachers that kind of cope to your personality and then you have the teachers that expect you to cope to theirs okay. and um yeah so i thought it was great because i got to, that was i mean above all just working and you know seeing people from other you know other countries the working with other professionals from other places all in the same location okay. and giving different advice that was extremely helpful for me and uh, now I can handle <laughs> being chastised by a teacher and say, I, I, one of my, because my personality also is like, oh, that's really good. You know, mm -hmm. good job. Yeah. And I'll never forget one teacher and she told me, I played something and she goes, okay, that was good. <laughs> and she goes, and you know what? I actually mean that. It was good. It wasn't more, it wasn't less. And if it was less, I would tell you it was less. <laughs> And that's actually a really good way of thinking about things because I'm like, man, I should be a little more dis uh, discerning of what I say is good and what it's not. If something's bad, it doesn't no benefit to the person for me to say, oh, I enjoyed that. I'm not gonna, I shouldn't have to lie. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, I mean, it was it was good, you know, <laughs> and and it was good in the purest sense of the word. Like, it was okay. <laughs> that's basically what that means. And yeah. um, 
so words matter. And that's what I think was extremely helpful for me was hearing how people would hear the same thing. They would hear the same performance, but they would describe it in different ways. Mm. And so it's all about interpretation. It's all about how you perceive the information you're receiving. And then also how you portray that information when you start discussing it. It's all about conversation. It's all about conveying ideas. And um, yeah, I really enjoyed that. Mm. Okay. Sure enough. Yeah, so after, after that one, where are you as far as like timeline and undergrad? Well, I did them every year, basically. I think I did one year where I skipped one year, but no, they, they were present every year of my undergrad. I got to travel, I traveled every year of my undergrad. Okay. So um, yeah, it was, it became almost routine for me. I was just, I, I didn't realize it really at the time, but it was extremely, I mean, it's a huge blessing to be able to travel abroad yearly and do these incredible festivals. So yeah, it led me all the way. And then from there, that's where I met at those festivals is where I met the teacher that I studied with in England for my master's, moving okay. on from undergrad. Yeah. So that's, it's all connected. My teacher from high school introduced me to my teacher from my undergrad and my teacher from my undergrad introduced me to my teacher in England for my master's. So uh, tell me about, let's talk about that a little bit. You're okay. coming up, getting ready to graduate. Yeah. And then what's, what's the thought? What's next? Like, Oh, that was one of the most difficult decisions for me is because I applied from my undergrad into my master's. I applied to five, five undergrad programs. And then this was contrary to my undergrad experience. I, who I didn't really know anyone, even Dr. Sanchez, I just knew him a bit. I didn't really get to know him super well. I just appreciated the outreach that he did. For my master's, I went to every single institution. I had traveled previously with several of the teachers that I would have studied with and uh, had personal relationships with all of them really well. And I got accepted to all of them. And a lot of them giving me very, very good scholarships and very good positions. Okay. And so the decision came down to, for me, and it took me, I mean, me about a month, a month or two to decide what decision I was going to make. And it came down to, did I want to possibly lose the opportunity of ever studying abroad? And because I knew, because the doctoral program doesn't really exist over in Europe or anywhere else. It's kind of a, an American construct. Okay. Um, that's why actually to be, if you're talking about musicians, to be a professor, it's almost 20 years ago, maybe not so, but now it is that you have to have a doctorate or a PhD to be in academia. Okay. It's just expected. And even if you don't, but you have an illustrious career or whatever, someone who comes in your competition and they have a PhD, that's a leg up for them. And so we now live in a, an environment here in the States where you, that's necessary for further career. It's not like that in Europe where they don't need this degree. My, my professor that I studied with in England, he doesn't have a doctorate. So I'm actually going into a degree this coming year that he doesn't even have, but he was my teacher. He was my superior. And so there's that level of, if I don't do my master's abroad and I do it here, I can't 
do my doctorate or my postgrad studies elsewhere because they don't have that diploma. They don't have that degree plan. And um, also two years, you know, two years is a reasonable amount of time. Doctors can get longer. <laughs> and so it's a question of, do I want to stay out of the country? Cause I don't even, I've never lived out of the country before. What if I don't like it? Yeah. And um, two years is reasonable. You know, I can survive two years, four to five years. That might be a long time. The deciding factor for me, because all my teachers that I would study with were fantastic. But that was that was the problem. They were all fantastic, and they. And this is not it's not a brag. It's just the way it was. They all wanted me. They yeah. all wanted me to come. And. For, this the opportunity to go meet people from, not just be there for a couple of weeks for a festival, but actually live in another country. Not only just another country, but a country that was present in the time period of the mute that I play that was important location see that's the thing the states were were not important until like late 1800s early 1900s but the music that I play is from the 17 1800s as well and so America wasn't even a player at the time mm -hmm. and so but now finally going to a place and living there where there is that it's part of their identity yeah um was you start to understand like pieces you played yeah, there's something, there's, there's something almost spiritual about it. There really is, in the sense of being, like, if you read, like, yeah, if you, I mean, you know, like, when you went to Rome, let's say you went to, and you saw the David, Michelangelo's David, or, you know, saw something, or the Sistine Chapel, and, you know, you see it all the time, but, and you've heard about it, but then once you're actually there, and you're like, Michelangelo was there, yeah. and he was painting that, there's just something surreal about it. Yeah. And so when you go and you play music, I remember the first time I played Beethoven in Germany. Okay. It was a surreal experience because I was actually there. And even if it wasn't a place that he was at, just there's something about feeling the presence of these, of the heritage that you're part of, you know, mm -hmm. of, the, of this tradition. That's the word that keeps coming to mind, this tradition, this history of it all. There's just something unique about being over there because that's where it all happened. And so, yeah, that was, a, I, I really, I really enjoyed that. And it's something that I, I still try to tap into when I play this music. Now, now that I'm back home in Texas, I do try to reignite that inspiration that I felt of being like, these were real people. They did this in a real place. That's the thing. That's almost legend here. For me, before I went there, it, they were almost like mythology. And then all of a sudden, especially as I learned more about them anyway, about these composers and the times that they lived in, yeah, um, it became more real. And the music had more purpose to me. It had more of a story. And so that's what's important. I think that's what every performer should strive for, is to find the inspiration and the purpose behind the music. It's not just notes on a page. It's not just hitting a, a, a piano just playing the right notes why you know, why are you doing this what what's the point and that's why people they can tell the difference when they find a performer who's really enjoying what they're doing even if the uh, audience member has no idea what the music's about or the story behind it they can feel something about it mm. and that's when it becomes real that's when there's the magic that's that's that timeless magic <laughs> when you're playing music by someone who's been who's been dead for over 100 years yeah but it's still just as effective that's incredible yeah. and so that's why we do it and that's something that not saying people that don't travel don't can't access that 
but by traveling, it definitely gives you a different perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I actually have heard you kind of mention that too, that when you would come back from those festivals and we just, you know, we'd catch up and visit, you'd kind of talk about how like each time there was something different, a takeaway from being yeah. over there, just that helped you see it in a different perspective or just would made you appreciate it more. Yeah. <laughs> and then so after living over there and making, you know, contacts and friends and it kind of came to a pretty screeching halt pretty quick. <laughs> pretty quick. Huh? Yeah, I mean, days, right? Oh my, I should still be there right now. Um, no, I should have been there for a long time. I wasn't planning on coming back till July. And I, I, my flight was booked for March 21st. I came back March 21st. So yeah, I mean, extremely disappointing. <laughs> how, how was that? Like when you, because everyone's talking about it, it's all over the news, the coronavirus, you know, COVID-19. Yeah. Um, when, when did it start to become like serious for you? Or you, you were starting to think, I, oh, maybe I'm done here. I remember that like when I came back, when I, because I, I, I came home for Christmas and then I went, I traveled again. I remember dad telling me back in January to be mindful, <laughs> to be careful what, what to do and, you know, just be just cautious, but it wasn't dangerous. And so I, I was careful for about a week or two, mm-hmm. but uh, no, I'm just saying um, yeah. it was just becoming like, is this really necessary? Yeah. And then over time it became apparent that something really is going, going on. Mm-hmm. And so I think I became a little bit more aware of it in the sense that I was hearing it from other people, not necessarily in England, but like my, my flatmate was Italian. And so I remember hearing the news from her when she said, I remember just seeing her one day and she was completely like, she was very, you could clear visibly upset. Yeah. And I, I said, is everything okay? And she goes, uh, and then that's when the news about Italy was breaking about how bad it was. And she was saying, I, I'm just, I was planning on going home. You know, actually around that time, she was planning a trip to go home and um, they shut down the borders. Everything just closed. And so it was amazing how fast things were happening yeah. in Europe. And so while Italy was happening and then Germany started happening a bit, Spain started happening, um, it was becoming quite clear that there was a, cl- a very present, danger you know and how to be cautious and so i i remember i was talking with my uh one of my really close american friends because i didn't have there weren't many americans that i had there um, Mm -hmm. because most people were just internationals and so then i um as things started going bad in march uh she messaged me she goes hey let's go get coffee and let's go talk and so she said what are you going to do and i said well i'm just going to wait till here if the school's closing the school's closing then I want to head out because once the building's closed, there's no point in me being there really. And surrounding countries had started to close their institutions. And so she said, okay. And so as we left the coffee shop, like an hour or two later, we got the news from the school. We're closing down. And um, so I had to arrange my travel plans and I received that news on a Wednesday. And so I, had planned on coming back on the Tuesday. So give me time to pack up my stuff, say goodbye to my friends, 
yeah. you know, everything was still open, you know, and so um, that was the plan. And so my friend, when she found the news, she booked her ticket for Friday. So she found out Wednesday, she booked it Friday. So Thursday comes around, we're all at the pub, we're saying goodbye to her. Yeah. And then I, mom sends me the news article saying, from a, an official of the administration here in the state saying, any international should either plan on returning home immediately or plan on staying where they are indefinitely. <laughs> and I, I saw that in the pub, you know, I'm just sitting there and yep. I'm like, oh no. And mom goes, book your ticket for Saturday, <laughs> you know, just bam. So this is Thursday night. And that's, I mean, actually, you know, I was thinking this is just a testament to uh, how it, amazing technology is there because I was sitting there in a pub drinking a beer and then all of a sudden I have to book my ticket to, to fly out and I I do it right there you know I booked my ticket and so I bought it Thursday night and I it was set for Saturday and so I had Friday I packed up everything I could uh, said goodbye to the friends that I could I didn't get to say, I didn't get to say bye to, to nearly all of them there's yeah. very few that I actually had the pleasure of seeing and then I was gone 6 a.m. the next day. So, yeah, it was a whirlwind. It was, I was supposed to, I was planning on giving a recital in Spain. Like, I was planning on traveling. I was planning on doing competitions. Because we were supposed to meet you in Spain, right? Is that what the plan was? You guys were planning on coming out for my graduation ceremony. Because okay. I was going to graduate in July. And you guys were going to come for that. We were going to do a trip. I had a whole, a whole thing planned. And, yeah, I mean, and. I know people, there are people that have it way worse, of course. Yes. But I mean, for me, like, it, it was tough how quickly things changed. I mean, I went from being over there in the UK to being quarantined <laughs> in yeah. Houston, Texas. So, yeah, it's, it was something. And so I think things are, I've still talked to the friends that I have that are still, because a lot of them also went to their home country. So I know back in England, it's still quite tight. The security is quite tight, but um, yeah, cut short my experience. You know, I was supposed to have a couple more months over there, and now I have to do everything online, just like everyone else. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's just the way it is. You know, we have to cope and we have to figure out. Yeah, I saw a quote that said, "We're all in different boats, but we're in the same storm." Oh, that's a good one. I haven't heard that. I saw it on. Um, I don't remember where I saw it, but it was you know, resonated. Because yeah, some people definitely do are going through different things. And but it is everyone's kind of mourning in their own different way or, you know, of what what was important to them and things that just got cut yeah. short, you know, seniors, uh, high school seniors are, you know, mourning a, a lot. It's, it's tough. I mean, yeah, it's funny. Yeah, everyone is going through their own specific dilemma and it's just but it's yeah exactly how you say it. it's just about attitude and how you approach it because this time will end mm -hmm. hopefully it ends. Hopefully, yeah. and uh, when it does we just have to move forward and i mean man what's something for the history books this time has been when yeah. we talk about this years from now remember that time in 2020 i don't want to think about it <laughs> yeah. no let's not go back yeah let's not think about that but no you're absolutely right so you're finishing up online, you're home in Houston, Texas. Mm -hmm. Actually, do you want to touch a little bit on uh, that live stream you did for the... Sure. I mean, 
it was actually something that I was a bit uh, timid to do. I didn't really want to at the time. I, I, I was happy to do it. And then I found out that it was going to be public, uh, like everyone was going to see it. And then I became a bit cautious because mom told me that it was for a community home, a resident home. And I instantly, I instantly was like, yeah, I'd be happy to play for them. And I thought it was just going to be a direct link, you know? And then they said, no, just share it on your Facebook page. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'm happy I did it. It was, um, it was good practice for me. You know, I, I, got, I got the, you know, the, the butterflies that I do when I normally perform. And uh, something that I haven't been able to do in a long time, you know, several months now. Can't, actually, I can't remember the last time I performed. It's been a while. And, um, yeah, it was, and it was nice having family that hasn't seen me perform that's my first live stream ever. Yeah. So everyone who hasn't been able to come to my recitals, they just never see me play. And so I'm happy that I got to do it. Yeah. It is funny seeing how technologies, everyone's using it in different fields to different capacities. And it's like that. When mom told me that, I was like, man, that's such a great idea. It's something I've never even really thought about. It's always been there. But, you know, it takes a pandemic sometime to put that stuff to use, you know? So yeah. it's, it's cool seeing how in the music field for you that that's how that was utilized right there. For sure. And, and it taught me, yeah, and it taught me because my mic, my, I should invest in a new microphone because the sound quality could have been better. So like I'm learning, you know, yeah. uh, how, how to really, yeah, really utilize this technology because I'm not really techni technologically in tune. <laughs> I struggle sometimes still. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I need to catch up because who knows where technology is going to be with music. I mean, you talk about it's, I've had to do lessons with my teachers and yeah, audio is really important. And so it's different just having a lecture, you know, discuss, Oh, this is what we're talking about class today <laughs> over zoom. Whereas now I have to, and so many other teachers and students have to play for their, you know, play for each other over zoom or other Skype or whatever, you know, um, device you want to, whatever medium you want to use. And there's just so many more difficulty, difficulties in hearing the sound and hearing the nuances and everything. So yeah, um, in music, it's, this is actually probably a wake up call for a lot of musicians. And I'm sure they're realizing the possibilities of it all. I can teach piano lessons to someone in a different state or, you know, or super far away. It's, it's extremely, uh, there's extreme possibilities you can achieve. So what's next? You graduate coming soon, right? Or yeah, how much? Hopefully, how much, how much time's left? <laughs> well, my final assignments due late May, which okay. is like my recital. So I have to record my recital. So that later this month, and that'll be my that'll be the end of my job, and okay. then I just have to wait to see my results, which hopefully I pass, and then I should receive the ceremony. Would have been in July, so I'm assuming still in July is when. The commencement would happen. Okay, and, and then, then, and then, where are you off to after that? The plan is to go to Ball State University in Indiana, Muncie, Indiana, for my doctoral studies. So, okay. or school—that's the plan. My my final stage of school. This will be the end, and um, I'm extremely excited because, I mean, this concludes my sixth year of education, of higher education. So higher I'm, going education to, yeah. I'm going into year seven. And um, yeah, it's been a fun ride, but I'm getting excited to see what my life will be after being a student for so long. 
you know, as I enter the career field, finally have the certification of being able to do so and how's it going to be? So, yeah, that's, yeah. So I'm at the beginning of my final chapter and we'll see what happens. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's kind of a good stopping point, I think. Um, yeah. And thank you for Luke. Thanks for coming on and sharing all this with us. I um, that was that's the whole point behind this podcast is I like just enjoying sitting down with people and hearing their stories. And honestly, like I've seen your story. You're my brother. Like I've seen it from. <laughs> I've I, I've just been part of it to an extent, but I've never. I think it just comes with age, to be honest. To where like I'm actually even interested to find out more of what your experiences were because like when you were in undergrad i was an undergrad i mean i was i was out doing other things you know you didn't care about what i, I was doing. i wasn't i wasn't caring about your competition you know but yeah. i mean i knew you were doing it and i cared about you because you're my oh, brother he's playing in carnegie hall let me just take a trip to new york let me go yeah. to the empire state building Shoot. you know and uh <laughs> i wish that i did have a, a bigger appreciation for it back then but i'm finding myself the older i get the more appreciation i have for these types of things and uh, so it was just, it was an honor to sit down and have you talk. And, uh, oh, thanks. Just get no, to thanks it. for having me. It's, yeah, it's a great, great idea to have here. So yeah, I'm happy to be part of it. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Luke. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Talk to you later, Greg. See you later.